to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating, leave a review uh, as well. That would all be fantastic. Um, and just to just a reminder, this is a daily show. We'll be having daily content even throughout the regular season or even throughout the off season as we approach the draft and uh, and free agency. Expect a show each and every day, and come back here and get your lease fix in. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Uh, go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code Locked In, and you'll get ten dollars off your next order. That's builtbar.com. Couple things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, not so much Leafs related today. More so some general talk, some league-wide talk, and of course, it always has something to do with the Maple Leafs. So we'll we'll obviously touch on the Leafs as well. But um, the Jack Adams Award winner has been announced, and it's caused a little bit of a stir in the uh, in the hockey world or on hockey Twitter. I'm going to come to the defense of the winner because I think that he deserves to win, and I'll explain why in just a moment. Um, Pittsburgh, we all know that there's a couple of guys out there that are on the block, but one name is starting to really surprise me that we're hearing quite a bit, and it's a name that the Leafs could be interested in. So I'll tell you about that. And then Wayne Simmons also starting to get some uh, starting to get some love here in Toronto and a nice buzz building about them wanting to bring him on board uh, this offseason if he wants to come to Toronto and help this team maybe sign like a Jason Spezza one-year cheap contract type deal. So we'll we'll discuss that and the merits of, of making that signing as well. But uh, let's get to this Jack Adams Award winner. So I think there were there were three nominees and and the two that it really came down to was was going to be John Tortorella or Bruce Cassidy of the Boston Bruins. So usually, you know, this award is is typically given to the team that surprised most and that's the coach that ends up getting it. So, John Tortorella, um, you know, he went through so many injuries this season, couple of goaltenders uh he had to work through and and get themselves um into the playoffs and and whatnot and you know, based on how they played in the playoffs, there's there's no doubt in my mind that Tortorella is one of the best coaches in the hockey in the National Hockey League. I mean, you take a look at what he was able to do to Stein the Leafs, it, it makes sense that he is considered one of the top coaches and and it's it's an award that's kind of uh evaded him a little bit so i I think that uh there's certainly there was some some merit in Torrella being given award but uh, at the end of the day the league ended up voting on bruce cassidy the head coach of the boston bruins and you know, there's been some flack about that because, of course, they think that Tortorella should have won it and, and, and he got robbed, essentially, of this award, which is kind of funny to me because every single year we kind of complain about how this award just goes to the team. It doesn't really go to, you know, the best coach or, or you know, the coach of the best team, which, you know, you could obviously argue, okay, well, if you're the best team, you must have a pretty darn good coach. You know, those things just kind of go hand in hand. But it never goes to the best coach. And we always complain about that and say, isn't it funny how the best team's coach never ends up getting nominated or winning the Jack Adams? You know, like for years, Joel Quenville, never a Jack Adams Award nominee. Uh, Mike Babcock was never a Jack Adams guy. Um, you know, I can go down the list of, of top quality coaches who just never got the consideration. And then now, finally, the best 
team in the league, their head coach, who ended up literally they they're the president's trophy winners. I guess they didn't technically have it, but would have been. They finished the regular season um, at at the top of the standings. And that team's coach, Bruce Cassidy, won the Jack Adams. Now everyone's up in arms about it. Like, wow, I can't believe that they gave it to Bruce Cassidy. That's terrible. Should have went to John Tortorella. Like, <laughs> you complain when, when they don't give it to the good coach or the coach of the best team in the league. And then they finally do it. And then you complain again and you say, nah, should have went to the should have went to the underdog. It's just, it's funny to me. Um, but you know what? I, I think Bruce Cassidy deserved to win this award. Um, take a look at at, at the, the team stats overall for this team. You know, seventh in the league for, for goals for. They scored 227 goals this season, tied for seventh in the league. Goals against, just 167 goals against this season. And that's with both Yarrow Halak and Tuka Rask pretty much in a timeshare this season, which a lot of people didn't realize. But Rask and Halak actually played a lot of games. Um, both of them played a very similar amount of games. Rask starting 41, Yarrow Halak 31. So they really did um, kind of have a, a tandem uh, this this season and and only allowing 167 goals, which was tied for first in the National Hockey League. So you know one of the best defensive teams uh, by far. And I would argue that they're not, I would say, the deepest roster. They are not the deepest uh, defensively. Yet they still went out there and and quietly played to Bruce Cassidy's system and didn't allow goals all season long. Now you could chalk that up to the fact that Rask is one of the best goaltenders. And, of course, he's going to stop pucks. We can't say the same about Halak, who started in 31 games this season. So, you know, there's there's definitely some merit there. Let's take a look at special teams. The power play. 25.2% power play, good for second in the league. The second best power play behind the Edmonton Oilers. Pretty darn good. All right, what about the PK? 84.3% penalty kill, good for third in the NHL. So you can't tell me that this team didn't deserve it because on paper I wouldn't say that they necessarily are, a, a, you know, a top three team, yet first in, in goals against, second power play, third on the PK, best record in the NHL, yes, they had the best record in the NHL at 44-14 in 12, good for 100 points, which was, what, uh, six better than the next best? Yeah, St. Louis came in at second with 94. So six points more than the next best team. And St. Louis even had a game in hand on them. Then you couple in the fact that Bergeron, Krejci, Krug all missed some time this year. And they just kept chugging along. Next man up. Chugging along, chugging along. Daniel Chara is not quite what he used to be. Just keeps chugging along. Bruce Cassidy deserves some credit here. And I don't like the fact that, you know, teams are, um, you know, you got these Twitter heroes out there throwing him under the bus saying, oh, he doesn't deserve it. He just has good players. He just has a good team. Tortorella really coached up this nothing team and got them into the playoffs. He deserves to be there. That's a little recency bias because if you recall, they wouldn't have even made the playoffs if the league didn't expand them. They would have finished on the outside looking in in the ninth spot. 
There's no guarantees that they would have made it either if it went to an 82 games. No guarantees at all. Because if you take a look, they would have had to jump over the Islanders and Carolina. And they had the red-hot New York Rangers nipping at their tail. And the Islanders and, and, and Carolina both had two games at hand at that. And then the Rangers were, were right there. Right there. They were so, so red-hot. So, really, and, and keep in mind, this is an award that was voted on after the season was over based on the regular season. So, don't take in mind what, what you saw happen in Toronto and against Tampa in the playoffs, because that didn't count. That wasn't taken into consideration here with, with the Jack Adams award winner. So, if you look back, Tortorella actually didn't get his team into the playoffs. And how often does a Jack Adams winner not be a playoff team? Right? Like, if it wasn't for this expansion and COVID, there's no guarantees that Tortorella even is a nominee because I don't believe that that team, at the time, they weren't on any type of hot stretch when the season stopped. Like, they were 3-4-3 in the final 10 games before the season stopped. I would not be surprised if they would have kept going down that trend and missed out on the playoffs. And if that's the case, well, you're not going to nominate Tortorella at that point if he didn't even get them into the playoffs. How good could your team be? They're not even among the top 16 teams in the league. So I think there's a little bit of recency bias here towards um, everybody saying that John Tortorella should have won the Jack Adams over Bruce Cassidy. Because if you really look at it, I think Cassidy, although, yes, he does have an extremely talented team, I don't think that they have the deepest team. And, yes, they may have the best line in hockey with the perfection line. But after that, it gets a little skeptical. And they're aging out as well. And Bruce Cassidy was able to get everyone to buy in, play extremely well, and be the top team through the regular season. I'm sorry, but if you're the top team in the regular season, you have to be well coached. And to me, that's why Bruce Cassidy deserves to win the Jack Adams. It makes total sense to me. Total sense. They're up in in, in almost every, literally are up in the top five or top ten, top three, sorry, in every single category, team category. He deserved it, man. Bruce Cassidy definitely deserved to be Jack Adams. But first, let me tell you guys a little bit about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. You know, it doesn't have that weird, chewy, chalky taste that regular protein bars have. It actually tastes like a candy bar. And the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They got six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And that's on top of the 12 original flavors, uh, peanut butter, mint brownie, salted caramel, and of course, my other favorite, the peanut butter brownie. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate, some nuts, some nut-free. They're soft, they're easy to chew, and best of all, the Built Bar is healthy. It's great for the health-conscious guy who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. And here's the kicker. This week only, a free cooler with a purchase of Built Bar protein bars while supplies last. A free 
cooler with every purchase. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll also get $10 off your next order. Use the promo code Locked On for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On These podcast. Mike DiStefano with you. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of Penguins who are on the block. We've talked about Matt Murray quite a bit, but his name keeps getting thrown out there and keeps circulating here with the Maple Leafs. And it's starting to make me think more and more that Matt Murray could become a Maple Leaf. Um, but could the deal expand a little bit? It's interesting. Because now <clears throat> there's a name out there that is starting to get floated around. And Mike Russo of The Athletic wrote that this player, who I'll name in a second, believes that he, in fact, will be traded this offseason. He does not expect to be back in Pittsburgh next year on opening night. And that's Chris Letang. Yes, Chris Letang, number one defenseman. Stanley Cup champion, gold medal winner. This is a piece that the Leafs would love Love to have. Just gonna pull up what his uh, what his contract looks like going forward, but I don't believe he's on a massive, massive deal. Cap hit wise, I think he's he's quite low, considering where he could be. You know, when you look at the uh, the the Eric Carlsons and and the the Drew Doughty's of the world, I, I don't believe he's that high. I think he's a a a contract that's digestible. And one that the Leafs, if they move some things around, could potentially get under their belt. But the fact that Chris Tang is even available is interesting to me. Because I did hear Jim Rutherford actually come out and say, none of our big three are core, which to me meant Crosby, Malkin, and Latang are available. And apparently, Latang feels that he's available. Yeah, $7.25 million for the next three years. You know, right shot defenseman does have a modified no trade, no move. So he is going to be able to pick where he wants to go. But I would think that Toronto would be a place that interests him, right? You got a Canadian boy, want to go play for the Maple Leafs? Most people would love to play for the Maple Leafs. So I think Chris Letang is a very interesting, interesting trade piece. I don't know what it would take to get him. And again, like I talked about last week when we discussed this the Kasperi Kapanen deal, you know, the fact that they gave up a first-round pick for Kapanen leads me to believe that the first-round pick that the Leafs currently have means absolutely nothing to them, and they want win-now players. And that's kind of where the issue comes, right? Like, where is the win-now player that, A, they can replace Latang with and also improve their team? by not making us, the Maple Leafs, a worse team. That's where the trade partner between the Leafs and the, and, and and Pittsburgh, and even when we're talking Matt Murray, this is where I, I just don't, I don't see the fit that well because they both have the same needs, right? They're both in win-now mode, and they both kind of have some, some top-heavy offensemen, or offensemen, <laughs> you know, they're top-heavy offensively, and then defensively, they got like one or two good defensemen, and then it kind of gets a little bleak from there. 
So, like, the roster construction is somewhat similar between these two clubs. And I just don't see if they are a good fit. Like, the compatibility for a trade, I just don't I don't see it. But it is, it, it is definitely a name that I think we should all be curious about. And then the, the question I have about it, though, is do you really want to trade? And it's going to take a bit. Like, it, this might be one of those deals where you got to move one of those big guys. You know, Marner, Nylander, one of those two may have to go in a trade like this. And are you willing to move one of those pieces for a 33-year-old defenseman with three years left on his deal? Or it'll be two years left on his deal uh, going to next season. So just two years left of that contract. Do you really want to give up one of your stud forwards for that? Probably not. Do you want to give up Morgan Riley for that? You might look into that. That one might be interesting. If you can maybe trade an aging Chris Letang for a younger Morgan Riley, and if they maybe want, because he's going to be going into a contract year, if they want to sign him to an extension, that could be something that they could work with. Try and, you know, have them get a little younger and then have us, the Maple Leafs, get better on the right side and get somebody with some veteran savviness and a winning mentality. You know, I, 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 that's what it's going to take, I, I think. You know, either it might take, you know, a, a Morgan Riley type player, which to me seems like too much. I, I personally would not do this deal, but it would take a Morgan Riley, a Nylander, or a Marner. I feel like those are like the three pieces, one of those three pieces that Pittsburgh will be asking for in return. I doubt they want to go younger, so I don't see them asking for prospects, considering they're, again, in win-now mode. And moving out Chris Letang, if they bring in a guy like, I don't know, Lilligren or or Sandine, you know, that's not going to replace Letang enough for them to go on it and hopefully extend their cup window. That's just not going to be the case. And that's why I say it's got to be one of those big pieces. We'll see what happens there. Again, Matt Murray, not sure if if it's going to happen, but I, I, I still believe that the Leafs are going to look for a cheaper option in net than, uh, than, than Freddie Anderson and maybe go the tandem route. Whether Matt Murray's that guy, he, he is technically um, a, an RFA and will require an extension. He made, what did he make last year? $3.75 million. So you would think that, as an RFA with our Arbrights, he's going to make that maybe even a little bit more. So he's actually going to make more money than I thought he would, um, which which has me kind of going the other way on Matt Murray. I, again, I wouldn't mind him. And, and kind of the, you know, if you connect the dots, obviously it, there's a connection with Murray and Dubis, and it would make sense. But if... If you're just looking to turn the clock back a couple of years, I don't know. Like if it's if you're not going to get him cheaper than four and a half, five million, you might as well keep Anderson or try somebody else who is going to be cheaper. I don't know if I'm willing to pay four and a half, five million for this guy. I feel like I would rather keep Anderson at that point or go elsewhere. I've brought up Thatcher Demko 
and it seems like Vancouver does want to re-sign Markstrom. And if they re-sign Markstrom, Demko's got to go. Or they're going to have to trade Markstrom. But I doubt they do that because assuming if Marshall comes back, he's going to come back with a no move. Or else why bother coming back? And to me, it just makes sense um, to look into a guy like Demko if, if that indeed happens over a guy like Matt Murray. But we'll see. Tons of time. Tons of time this offseason. Uh, like I mentioned yesterday, we got the draft. That'll be taking place on October 6th and 7th. And then just a couple days later, free agency hits real quick. And something that I didn't really talk on yesterday, like I kind of just scooped right, right, or uh, just skipped right past it. Just how soon that's going to be for the teams who make the cup final. Even right now, the, the teams in the conference final, like New York, Dallas, Vegas, and Tampa, they're not going to have much time to evaluate their team, try and get guys who who aren't under contract signed before July 1. Like there's got to be a lot of legroom uh a lot of legwork being made behind the scenes right now as they're still fighting for a Stanley Cup. You would think that the GMs and the agents are are having ongoing negotiations and discussions and the moment that the team is eliminated, whichever team that is, that those extensions are going to get signed. It, it has to be because then they, you know, the GMs also have to worry about making some deals leading up to the trade or to the to the draft. They got to worry about the draft in itself, the player evaluation. Not much time for the teams who are remaining uh, between the end of the season or now, really, and then right away they're getting right into draft mode. And they got free agency just a couple days after that. It's going to be a wild ending to the season and a very quick, quick offseason. All right, um, we'll take a quick break here. And then when we come back, there's a name that is now being thrown around Maple Leafs land and potentially kind of this year's version of a Jason Spezza that's a little bit younger, a little bit more rugged, and a little bit more of a fit for the Leafs. And I'll talk about that next. You are listening to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano. Still with you. Check me out on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. And remember, we do podcasts each and every day, Monday to Friday, five days a week. Leafs talk every single day. And uh, the last Leafs-related item that I'm going to be discussing today with you is going to be a, a upcoming free agent that supposedly has interest in coming to Toronto that I believe that the Leafs should, if the price is right, of course, have interest in bringing him to Toronto. And that's Wayne Simmons. And Wayne Simmons is a Toronto kid, first and foremost. Uh, always love to bring back the hometown boys. I believe he's from uh, Scarborough, which is where I am currently recording this episode um you know he brings a veteran presence right this guy's been in the league for a long time uh he plays the game a a sound sound two-way game he has gone downhill a little bit like at one point he was considered one of the premier top six two-way players in the game i don't think he's that anymore um I, i i think he's now at this point a a depth option for any team, especially a team looking to to make a playoff run like the Maple Leafs. Uh, But he's a guy who can play down your lineup, who can kill penalties, who can be a little rugged, um, who can go bang the body, drop the mitts if need be, be a little bit of a pest. And best of all, he's got tons of playoff experience. He's got grit. He's got a little bit of a scoring touch. And 
most likely he's going to be cheap after a couple of down years. Like, let's be honest, I, I don't think that Wayne Simmons, after the couple down years that he just had, it can really sit there and dictate the market and ask for a big contract. He went out on a limb, signed himself a one-year deal this year with New Jersey, hoping to cash in big next season. Um, I believe he signed just like one year, two and a half, or one year, $5 million uh, deal with Jersey, hoping to have a pretty good season and it could cash in next year on a multi-year deal. Went to Buffalo at the deadline. Honestly, no idea why that happened. Um, but just didn't have a good season, right? Like with the Devils, had 24 points in 61 games and then just had one point in the seven games in Buffalo before the season got shortened due to COVID. And last year didn't work out either. He was traded the deadline again from Philly to Nashville. He only had three points in 17 games with the with the with the, the Preds, and then only played two playoff games and didn't get uh, didn't get a point there. But in total, he does have 44 playoff games uh, under his belt um, that he's played with uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers for the most part. Also played uh, with the L.A. Kings, and if I'm not mistaken, no, he was traded before. The Kings won the cup, so he did not win uh, win a Stanley Cup with the Kings. But uh, still, forty four playoff games, so he does bring a little bit of experience there. Plays a two way game, um, and I like Wayne Simmons. I think Wayne Simmons is a player that Leafs fans have been wanting for a long time. Now he's not going to be the same Wayne Simmons, but if you can get him on the cheap, kind of like what you saw happen with Corey Perry. And and Andre Sekera, who saw a good team in Dallas and said, you know what, they're just a couple of pieces away. They just need some depth. And if we sign there for cheap, we can provide that depth. I've already made my money in my career. I've made tons of it. Um, I think I can check and see how much money he has made so far. What do you make? Five, seven. Yeah. Uh, 23 million. Yeah. So Wayne Simmons has made well over $30 million dollars. Um, in his career, which, yeah, he's made thirty over $33 million in his career. So I think at this point, yeah, I guess he's not the richest guy. And he didn't get those, those you know, lucrative, lucrative deals. But $33 million is nothing to snuff at. If you want to win yourself a cup and you're at this point now at a crossroads where you're just not worth the multi-million dollar contract, go sign and latch on with a team. You know, like Corey Perry and, and Andre Sekera did, where they signed a contract for, you know, I think they signed for like two million bucks or something like that. Wayne Simmons might have to sign cheaper, kind of like Spezza, where he signed for like a one million dollar contract and just hope that he has a good enough year and hopes that he can provide the the depth and veteran scoring and, and, and grit and scoring touch enough to help build the depth of this team that they desperately need. And hopefully they can go on a nice playoff run and Simmons could be a big part of it. Now, the question is, is he going to want to come here? Well, I already said that he's a hometown kid. Most hometown boys would love to play for the Maple Leafs. Safe to say he grew up a Leafs fan. I don't know this, but most people who grew up in the city do grow up Leafs fans. So just like John Tavares, maybe he had himself a pair of, of, of Maple Leafs PJs and wants to wear the sweater one day himself. So... That could be possible. He spoke to uh, Pierre Lebrun, and I believe uh, this was in The Athletic, I want to say. And uh, so when Lebrun spoke to him, or could have been on the Scott Burnside podcast, but or uh, 
yeah, his podcast was Scott Burnside. Um, but here's what Wayne Simmons had to say to Pierre LeBron. He said, I'm open to everything. Toronto's got a great core of players, and I think that's definitely a team where I could go in and make an impact right away. I agree. I think he could definitely make an impact right away. He kind of checks all those boxes I talked about yesterday for what the teams that are remaining in the playoffs right now, what they have in the bottom of their lineup. They've got good veterans, some guys who got some experience, some grit, a little bit of a scoring touch, and they're pretty cheap, right? So I think that Wayne Simmons is a guy who Toronto, for the right price, this would be a great landing spot for him. And I feel like the Leafs would love him. A guy who can play on the penalty kill as well, kill some penalties. I like Wayne Simmons. And and realistically, he could play the, he doesn't even have to play in the fourth line. There's a role right now that could be, that, that's kind of open, and that's Kapitan's role, that left. If he could play a Kasperi Kapitan role, you know, I I think he could go out there and score 15 goals, play on the power play. You know, I, I could totally see, or a penalty kill. I could totally see it. So there's a spot for him on the, on the roster. If he wants it, he's got it, but he's got to sign a cheap contract. He's got to do it. Because if not, and he wants to get himself a market deal, upwards of two, two and a half, three million dollars, Toronto can't afford it. We're not his landing spot. If that's what he wants, he's not going to play for his hometown team. It's as simple as that. And he doesn't have to, obviously. No one has to take a pay cut, and he could choose to go elsewhere. But if he does, he's going to have to play for a pretty cheap contract. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms to receive daily Leafs content. Follow my show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And if you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Lockdown NHL podcast where myself and four other Lockdown hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.